Hello and welcome to another episode of Not Just a Game, where we talk about games and ethics and society and all sorts of uh, game-related things from a slightly different perspective from most other podcasts. I'm Dr. Catherine Flick. And I'm Dr. Tiff Fothergill. We thought, you know, it's a pandemic. So it's a time where many people are revisiting their priorities, what they would really actually like to be spending their time on. A lot of this is, is sort of fantasy type thinking, like I would like to be in Rome, or I would like to walk into 2% jazz, order myself an oat milk Africano and have a vigorous argument with my colleague Matthew about policy. What's an Africano? Oh, it's a weird thing. I, I actually hesitate to use the word Africano because I'm not sure about the origin of it and if it's okay to use. So just putting that out there. But it's a very strong, maybe Australians have it, that you guys have all kinds of coffee types. Well, like I know there's like a long black and things like that, and that's not like the same as an Americano and those other things. Anyway, <laughs> those complexities aside, um, it is a very strong small coffee made with espresso, not mm -hmm. like a filter coffee or anything like that, um, with um, warm foamed milk. Sounds like a macchiato or a ristretto. Hmm, maybe. But it's, anyway, it's bigger than a macchiato. Anyway, I want that thing. <laughs> And then I want to have a very loud argument about the ethics of policy and tech with a specific colleague um, who I um, who I argue with but miss very much. Um, but apart from the things that we do really miss doing, I think a lot of us are kind of getting rid of stuff that we can live without and really focusing on what we can control, what we can experience and enjoy. Um, so that means quitting things decluttering, walking away from that which doesn't add to our lives or the lives of the people that we care about, broadly construed. And that kind of thing has been on my mind a lot lately. So I thought it might be interesting to consider how these ways of leaving the detachment from places and habits within games could be situated alongside some archaeological perspectives. Um, the timing of this is interesting because I, um, I just missed the book launch for my final uh, publication in archaeology. Um, if anyone is super interested, I can send you a link, but it's a massive volume from Cambridge University Press. Please don't buy it. It's far too expensive. Um, if you're actually interested, you can probably contact us and we can figure out a way to get you access. But in archaeology, there has been for quite some time a very rather static, turgid view of what used to be called when I was first trained, site abandonment. It's now sort of been replaced by the softy lofty sounding, but actually quite practical term, detachment from place. The folks are doing very exciting, but sadly paywalled work on this. There's an excellent looking volume by Maxime uh, Lamoureux Saint-Hilaire and Scott McRae. If you're privileged enough to have access through like six universities. Um, oh no, I'm sorry. Let's see. Access is limited to the Adams State University, Colorado State University, Colorado State University, Pueblo Community College of Denver, Fort Lewis College, Metropolitan State University, Denver, Regis University, University of Colorado Boulder, University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, University of Colorado, Denver, <laughs> University of Northern Colorado, University of Wyoming, Utah State University, and Western State Colorado University. Wait, so if only you these... 
Only, only these universities. That's right. Only these what? universities have access uh, to that volume, unless, of course, you have access through some other mystical managed way. But Why? the point is that it's a cool volume. Um, and uh, that focuses on detachment from place and archaeology. And um, European, uh, it, and that's the last thing that's been written, like in, in 2020. And it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's obviously a uh, Colorado, uh, University of Colorado Press publication from the universities I listed off. And um, yeah, that, that stuff is still offline. It, it, from a European perspective, it's, you know, quite an, a, a cold water bath to suddenly be back in the land of, no, you can't have that research. Um, but at any rate, that's something that I came across when I was like, has anybody done anything more recent than just like plain old site abandonment? Mm. So anyway, that's out there. And um, we can come back to, oh, here's what I was going to say. Uh, also European, the European scholarship on the idea of site abandonment or detachment from place uh, is different, but much earlier and much more openly acknowledges the problematic sort of flip side of abandonment, and that is colonization. So we can come back to that maybe when we talk about examples, if we have time, but you get the point. It used to be, and still is for some folks who are quite trad and somehow not dead and or retired yet, that a bloke named Michael Schiffer had the market cornered on this concept in the late 80s, defining abandonment as the process whereby a place an activity area, structure, or entire settlement is transformed into archaeological context. This is typically interpreted um, as meaning that that critical linking behavior or idea that connects the occupation of a place with the leaving behind of it. The transformation to remains and artifacts from, you know, an occupied or in-use active place. Obviously, this could be subjected to nuanced critique from many angles, ranging from the fact that surely the word abandonment is emotionally and ethically loaded um, through to and including the practicalities of partial, multiphasic and multiscalar abandonment. Do people prepare to abandon a site? How? How can you tell? What gets left behind? Why? Clearly, um, this can also be used to think about games. Um, and, uh, you know, there are entire genres of games that have been abandoned um, simply through falling out of fashion, point and click, for example. Um, but like, oh, I don't know. Point and <laughs> click's coming back in fashion. It is, but, but I'll get to that, I promise. Okay. <laughs> There's the nostalgia kind of uh, angle. Uh, but it is coming back. You're, you're very right. And it's coming back for the same thing that I mentioned probably at the beginning, and that is what, what do we enjoy? What do we want to kind of keep in, in our lives? Um, but as with the basic critique of Schiffer and friends, does one abandon all parts of a site or a game or just some parts? Do you need to carry on with some parts, but not others? I've been thinking about this, like, what if the hardware becomes obsolete and your incredibly engineered network of foggerers in the Libyan Fazan aren't adequate to supply water to your population anymore? I mean, that's basically the archaeological equivalent of the Sega Mega Drive, right? <laughs> like, it's just not, not working out. Um, do you prepare for abandonment from the start of some games? 
but not others, um, based on the game type. And what's the focus? Is it game completion, story arcs, achievements, exploring all the content? Um, And sometimes there's full-on replacement of a game by a game sequel. You're sort of building a a, a tell on the the ruins of the old city, moving from Final Fantasy XIV from Final Fantasy XI, as as you did, uh, Catherine. Uh, And then there are emotional and personal complexities. Like, the game is upsetting. Um, you become bored, you get stuck. There is also, as I think most archaeologists would agree, a significant afterlife of games in the same way as archaeological sites. And they continue to be occupied by our attentions and sometimes more than that. So we've talked on this podcast before about mods, um, multiplayer, nostalgia, replays, and like you said, point and click coming back. Um, my husband played apparently, uh, a ridiculous number of hours of Eye of the Beholder 2, I'm led to understand on the Amiga. Now you can just play it in a browser. Um, mm. Yeah. I think actually that's a really interesting point, the idea that um, like this this kind of the archaeological ruins of the game that you, like, for example, I, I've, I've been playing replaying Baldur's Gate 2 because I have a lot of memories of playing this game and never getting beyond a certain point and I can't actually even remember what that certain point was now but it's almost like um I've been replaying it and I feel almost like I want to go and get the old save of that game and reload it in and see where I was because I haven't found whatever it was that I remember yet and it, it it's it's like the idea of kind of coming back to an, a really old save like especially if you of a game like Baldur's Gate 2, which was very complex in terms like, I mean, this is pre-my understanding of how D&D works, how classes worked. I mean, this is the first kind of um, isometric RPG I ever played, for example, right? And and so, well, isometric, not really, but, you know, top-down kind of RPG that I ever played. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it, like my understanding of those sorts of games has matured so much more that now that I come back to it and look, if I were to go back and look at that old save, it would tell me a lot about why I probably got stuck and got bored and and stopped playing, right? And so I think that that's actually quite a nice way to link into this kind of idea of the 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 abandonment which I think, I, yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah it just it, I thought I was that was an example that just really spoke to to what you were just saying. It's um. It's a great example, I, I think, because what you've described is your your metadata um, from that save will be effectively like you can see that there's an ashlands in certain parts of the site. You can see that it was burned down or or whatever. You, you it gives you some of the evidence, the context for yeah, that. like for, and I think some of that would be things like. Um, I might have specked out a warrior, but given it really high intelligence for completely useless, you know, because I just didn't understand how D&D worked, right? But if I go back and I have a look at it and I'd be like, well, that's why I could never, I, I didn't have a rogue. Of course, yeah. of course I kept getting traps, you know, got caught mm. by dying through traps all the time, or mm. I couldn't unlock this secret door or whatever it was. So, you know, stuff like that, I think, you know, it's, um, yeah, it feels like that, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. So it's, quitting a game isn't, like it's not often something that I do in in kind of a, a a conscious way. I mean, most of the time I play games until I think, well, you know, I guess I'm done with that. 
which I perceive is sort of different from like quitting or full on abandonment. And I've, I stopped playing games for a, a number of different reasons. Um, so I, I might call them things like push factors um, um, or what Lamoureux Saint-Hilaire and McRae would call uh, stresses. Um, so what you mentioned, the kind of failure to progress, uh, getting stuck, right? So either there's a, a technical bug, something that happened very sadly with me with West of Loathing, which was an adorable game, um, or another reason, right? Like in Final Fantasy fourteen for me, because I didn't want to raid all the time, a group with randos constantly to have to advance the story. The cost was too high. Needs must, my backside. I mean, it's great I can be a massive, beefy butch Rogadin um, or a cute cat girl, but maybe I don't want to need other people all the time. Um, so, I mean, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, this is what actually made me quit MMOs entirely is because I now have a baby and my baby wakes up and I have to go and feed the baby. And that doesn't work if you're in the middle of a an end game raid with, you know, 64 other people. Like sometimes I was in final, well, 63 other people. Like I sometimes was in Final Fantasy XI. I mean, I used to run those sorts of raids, but I couldn't do it now because I'd have to basically stop and say, you know, so long, be back in 20 minutes. And that just doesn't work in those sorts of environments. Right. So the landscape of your life has shifted to the point where it's just not, it's not possible. Um, it's not responsible, actually, as well. Well, yeah, and I could, I could do it. And there were certainly some mums in my, um, in my raiding group that used to just apparently have their babies just next to them. And mm-hmm. I was just like, now that I'm a mum myself, I'm like, how, like, how did that yeah. even work? Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, uh, I worry. <laughs> yeah, right. And like, I mean, that's. It doesn't have a that sort of issue doesn't have a, a perfect correlate, but um, you know certainly there are you know probably times in the past that this happened where it was like the responsible thing to leave a place or an archaeological site like all right we can't carry on here, um, and uh, you know it's there are other sorts of push factors that. I've dealt with sort of everyone's had their share of machine failures mm-hmm. where it meant rolling to a backup machine that didn't have the specs to run um, what you wanted to play. Um, and then that game just gets kind of left behind uh, or worse. There's no machine at all. Um, or you have an OS update and all of a sudden the game's just not compatible anymore. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that might be a little bit more like, you know, the, the weather patterns change. Like it's, it's just a fundamental uh, almost force majeure um, limitations. This is this is actually an interesting thing with uh, console games, right? Because the newer consoles come out and they don't tend to have backward compatibility. Oh. Um, so you often will find consoles. Uh, certainly, I have done this in the past with console games. Um, you've only got so much real estate in terms of plugging things into your television, right? So you'll probably okay. unplug the old. PS3 and plug in the PS4 um, and then when you get your PS5 you probably unplug the PS4 and plug in mm. the PS5 sure. and it may be then that you don't really go back ever to play any of the PS4 games anymore because you've got your PS5 now and that's got a whole load of new games so okay. yeah so I think there's even some physical artifacts uh, building up in the <laughs> yeah no for sure no, there definitely is and there's a, a whole bunch of archaeological scholarship on on uh on that but it's uh i suppose another yeah that's a really good point um so you have a uh, transitions that keep occurring across different 
you know, similar technological platforms that aren't, you know, backward compatible. Um, and it just gets to a certain point where whatever was associated with the first stratigraphic layers is not no longer workable. <laughs> I mean, we've got we've got all sorts of Nintendo systems in our cupboard under the television, and occasionally they get pulled out for some nostalgic reason. But Ooh. even then, we don't need to do that anymore because um, the Switch has got the like, or well, you know, there's things like the classic. You can buy rebuy the classic games again, right, and play them on your most recent version of the console. So you don't need really oh, need. Yeah. And there are plenty of emulators and things like that now. So you don't really need to have the original consoles. But then, of course, that people like to keep them as collector's items. Mm. And, you know, there is a certain nostalgia to having to blow the dust out of the cartridges and things like that, which you don't actually have to do. But, you know, we all do it anyway. And and I think I think there's that, that, that part of it. I mean, I for me also, I think, you know, the these abandonments of, of like, previous like older games i just find i have such a huge steam list for example on steam yes. uh, 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 well <laughs> my, my list of games that i like i buy a lot of games for various reasons or i'm given games for mm. various reasons and so i feel like i have to go and play them occasionally yeah and sometimes i'll only ever play like i might just get the whim to play that particular game yeah. you know because i want to try something new for example and maybe it doesn't really catch me straight out um, and some games, you know, they do take a little while to warm up sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so it may be that I play it for, you know, maybe an hour or something like that. And then that's all I ever play. It. And it sits there in my Steam list as a, as a game. Like I, I had a friend who has a um, another podcast called Call of Podcast, uh, which I'll link to. They're a good good bunch. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they do an interesting uh, uh, gaming podcast podcast. Um, uh, Count Elmdor, or I used to know him as Nasher back on Final Fantasy XI, and <laughs> and uh, yeah, he used to talk about his um, what do you call it? He called it like his his pile of bones um, mm. that he had to kind of get through. Um, you know, like it, it's sort of they're the ones that he he wanted to play, but he just kind of ended up abandoning. Yeah. And I think I have a lot of Steam games that are on my pile pile, pile of, bones. of bones. Yeah, absolutely. The um. Speaking, yeah, pile of bones. It's interesting. So, uh, another sort of set of push factors, I guess, is um, like a rubbish guild, um, community, uh, game wide, or or like m- one's own community moving on to another game or similar is another reason to kind of stop playing. And sometimes it doesn't even need to be a community per se for me to be excluded by the nature of the game. Um, situations in which game worlds um, steeped in oppressive societal structures can continue to manufacture and replicate oppression. Um, And I will never forget the moment I was done with Wildstar. Um, I don't remember if I've talked about that on the podcast here. Um, Rift had similar problems. Um, Mass Effect Andromeda was rightly pegged for tokenism by the I Need Diverse Games folks, amongst others. Um, But there have certainly been moments where I was like, well, this game is not for me because I do not find it funny that you have made up this, you know, bachelor, there's a, a, a bachelor party, stagnite, do things go wrong and two female trolls with afros are murdered and everyone's like, oh, well, whatever. And I'm just like, yeah. And, and there's just like these dead bodies on the ground. And it's like, 
unmistakable ugliness and evil and you're just like yeah I'm, I'm done i can see the picture that they're trying to paint and i am not playing this game anymore Mm. But also you had you had a similar experience with Divinity uh, Original Sin 2, right? So, yeah. I mean, so that, I might put that, you know, in a separate category. So that's more like a dissatisfaction. Like, I cannot tell you, but thank you for bringing up, thank you for bringing up Divinity Original Sin 2. Sorry. No, you're great. I cannot tell you how deeply bereft I was to find that Divinity Original Sin 2 was a pallet load of impossible, you can't save anyone, no good will come of this, your whole game is predetermined misery bollocks. Do you know what? Boo. I feel like a fun game was stolen from me by total anguish-humping storylines that just made me sad. No. Great combat mechanics? I don't fucking care. Fuck off. Eat a bag of dicks. <laughs> wow, I've touched a nerve there. <laughs> well, I guess oh. originally original sin touched a nerve there. Um, but yeah, I mean I yeah. It I, could have been fun. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? And then th- there are some games where that is a thing, but you go into them knowing that that's what the sh- Yes, and you're ready for it. Yeah. Yeah, and, exactly. And having played like the previous one, I I expected it would be you know, there would be some, there would be some darkness, but there would be some silliness and, you know, there might be, you know, for every kind of thing that you're like, well, there's another thing you're like, oh, you know, and no. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's fair. That's, that's totally, <laughs> that's totally. Um, I, m- m- my expectations were, were ridiculously failed. Um, I mean, and like I say, it's my expectations. Um, it was a very well put together game like i have no problems with it on that um yeah. but yeah i mean this Sto- actually so, so basically storylines that you aren't like it's kind of i guess not storylines but um it's always like genre uh that you're not anticipating so, yeah. it's, so it's like a dissatisfaction with the story direction mm. in a way that you're just like you know this this doesn't um this doesn't offend my moral sensibilities this doesn't you know it, it, it it's really just kind of like what did i call it anguish humping storylines yeah that, I I that was great that's basically what it was it was like do you think you can do any good no yeah i i, I so I, i'm thinking of sort of the genre style there there's a set of genre that i have tried many times to enjoy playing but have to quit within literally like two minutes of playing and it's horror games no (laughs) horror games i cannot i just can't i i have i played tried to play um, five nights at freddy's i you know five-year-olds play this game and they think it's the most hilarious thing they they buy toys of this stuff they they think it's just incredible and I just cannot do it. I can't. I can't play Five Nights at Freddy's. I can't play Amnesia. I tried playing Amnesia for I think five minutes, and as soon as basically I was like the sound started, I was I just noped the fuck out of there because I could, just could not deal. I, I no. Nope, I'm too old to do jump. I've always been too old to do jump scares, and I just yeah. cannot do jump scares. I can't do like lurking horror. The only horror type game I've been able to play was Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem. Mm-hmm. And that was because it was actually an interesting game. And it wasn't so much a, like a the 
sanity thing in that was much more subtle, I suppose. I mean, there were a couple of jump scare type things, right. but it was a lot more subtle. It was more kind of um, elder, like, um, what do they call it? Um, the, like, uh, Arkham Horror type. What's his name? Um, Lovecraftian style oh, yes. sort of stuff. Problematic yeah. Lovecraft. Well, yeah. Well, it was well. that. It wasn't Lovecraft. But, but that, it was it was that style. Yeah, that that kind of yeah, and and that was an amazing. Did you ever play that game? No, I didn't. Um, I'm just thinking about but, horror games. Like the only kind of horrorish game that I made it through was the Seventh Guest, which is more of a puzzle one. game. It's old because I'm old. Um, so uh, 1993, um, done by Trilobite, um, and it was one, apparently one of the first computer video games to be released only on cd-rom because i'm old um and that's one of these things where it's like the genre is horror but really we would think of it more as a puzzle game um a little bit more like uh mist or um possibly something to be being replaced by things more like outer wilds now yeah um but yeah that's an interesting that's a very interesting yeah, so, so the nice thing, the cool thing about the Eternal Darkness was is that it wasn't so much about jump scares. Mm. It actually, the, the character you were playing was slowly going insane for all the problematic oh, reasons yeah. that we talk about. But this is, old, this is old school gaming, right, where they yeah. used to be able to do this. And this is the, I think it was like the 90s, early 2000s maybe. yesterday. I'll tell you about when you're finished. Oh, God. Anyway, but the night the really cool thing about that though is that it so it was on the GameCube, so that's how old it was. Um, and it wasn't just the the like so the the character would start seeing seeing things like, you know, blood coming down the walls or something like that as as this kind of as each as she had spooky encounters. Mm. But then the like and this is I mean it's a spoiler, but like it's such a whole game, right? <laughs> yeah, and and only what really works on old TVs as well, so it wouldn't work anymore. Um, it it would mess with you, the player. So it would do things like it would show, um, like in the middle, like it would it would put up a a, a thing where it, as if you turn the television off, like and and you know, or or the, the the GameCube had been unplugged, and there were just like fake screens, but the yeah. uh, the idea, you know, the idea was to scare you that you'd lost all your saves yeah. or something like that. And there were Ooh. things like that that used to pop up, and and <laughs> and it was really clever. It was super clever. Wow. Um, it wouldn't work anymore because obviously no, but you could do. You know, but yeah, I mean, there are those had, ideas could be implemented in a different kind of way. Um, yeah, I don't know of any like I don't know of any games that particularly play on that. Um, trying to make you think that some like you, the player, like breaking that fourth wall, breaking of, that of, wall, yeah, yeah. And I think it's actually a really clever technique, but I haven't really seen it done. I recently. think you'd have to do it. You'd have to be really conscious that you weren't doing it in kind of a, a, a an ableist slash inaccessible kind of you know like I can see you'd have to be very thoughtful about how you did it. Yeah, I think in order um, to make it impactful and not just kind of a, a horrible barrier. Yeah, so I, yeah, there's there's a lot of problems with it. I just thought it was it's just an interesting technique. Yeah, um, to use sure. to yeah, and and that, that, that that's the only hot, but that was actually also more a puzzle game. I I want to like just you were talking a little bit before about um about how point and click is out of you know old school. So I played this really cool game recently, and this is actually one that I played since we last talked called. Uh, what was it called? I just had my Steam game list open because I wanted to double check it. Uh, because it's also one done by um, a friend of uh, published by a friend of mine, Lucifer Within Us. Mm. Um, 
and um, it's a it's like a detectiving game, an old school kind of point and click. You investigate um, an area, and then you have to ask the right questions um, of the people and put things together and solve like a murder basically mm-hmm. and, and it's really cool actually it's a really cool game because what i liked about it it's not long enough is my my biggest critique of it. Got, my big complaint is it only has three scenarios it needs more <laughs> scenarios um but the way it did it was really interesting because you had to really use your brain which i don't have much of these days so that was quite quite interesting for me mm-hmm. um, and but also what i really liked about it was it was kind of set in this kind of um really dystopian kind of super like far into the future kind of but like you could still it was still earth and there were like Mm. remnants and artifacts and and kind of it was just really really i don't know it was just it was a very interesting yeah the 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 theology system uh, like it was all based it was almost like name of the rose but in the future Ooh. Okay. That's what it made me think I'd of. Like to, I I love I loved that book. Um and uh, yeah. yeah, that's, that's- you, if you liked the book, it's it's very name of the rose, but okay. in like a kind of a cyber Umberto Echo, I think. Sci- yeah, Umberto Echo, yeah. Um it's like a cyber cyber um, name of the rose. future thing. Yeah, it's, cool. it's very, very cool. And this is why I'm mad that there's only three scenarios. Mm. Like it's it's actually probably nice for people that don't have a lot of time. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Uh, so <laughs> there's one other push factor I wanted to to make sure I got to. And it's, it, I hadn't wanted to have this be last in my kind of list of push um, <laughs> or stressors. Um, but um, trauma. Mm. So I have been stalked, harassed and everything else by people in games and people I met in games. Those games inevitably end up dead to me when that happens. I mean, fortunately, I am old and disabled now, and I have taken pains to ensure that less information is available about me. Um, But that's a total game abandonment trigger as well. Like, I stopped playing EverQuest and EverQuest 2 because of that shit. Uh, I changed my handle. I stopped talking to mutuals. Like, it, it was a a big deal and that kind of abandonment is I mean that's sort of like a flood comes through the village type of abandonment like um or they're you know more like you know any any kind of warfare or something like that it was it was sad for me it would be it's sad for people who are kind of caught in the crossfire and it's it's something that I do want to mention because I know I'm not the only person who's been impacted by that kind of occurrence yeah absolutely and i'm sorry that you've had that experience because it's horrible well, and i mean i've it's like but it sucks because you enjoy playing the game and yeah. you know it sucks when there's a thing that makes you stop playing the game that isn't something that is game related or that you've it's an external source of stopping the game right like that's not one that you've brought on yourself so me having a baby i knew i was going to stop playing yeah. games right sure you know, and you can prepare for that right? exactly <laughs> abandonment. Um, yeah, I'm, this game. I'm giving away all my stuff yeah. yes exactly whereas yours is yeah like the flood coming through the village right it's 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 a shock it's sad it's distressing it's you you lose your friends you lose the things that you had you lose that you lose um, a part of yourself mm-hmm 
Yep. You identity. Lose, you lose that bit of your identity. Um, and that's, I mean, that has to happen with sites, like physical sites, archaeological sites as well, because people can no longer say, oh, I come from Germa. You know, they're, mm. they're from somewhere else now because, you know, and uh, it's just, I wanted to bring it up because it's it's a thing and it's important and it's touched many people. Yeah. But I mean, and even lower scale versions of that, I mean, still still ongoing, like um, harassment of women in games like Overwatch have, has caused me to stop playing Overwatch because I generally play. I cannot play any of the games based like when you get to higher ranks, you need to be able to communicate with people. You must and in do. order to be yeah. in order to communicate with people, you have to turn your microphone on. And yeah. if you turn your microphone on and you have a voice that sounds like mine, you firstly get, oh my God, I love your accent. And then secondly, you get a whole mm-hmm. bunch of really sexist mm-hmm. shit. And <laughs> I just don't have time in my life for that. Um same with Destiny mm-hmm. too, actually, to be perfectly honest, as much as well, quite. Are you are you really a girl? And I'm just like I'm a titan, like yes. fuck right off. Um, but it's it's just you're right. And I, I I mentioned earlier that like I was like oh I had a real old school gaming incident. And like oh, yeah. so I'm I'm running my my fun healer, which is my uh, in in um, Elder Scrolls Online, which I am preparing to abandon in due course um, after some things. Um, yeah, I didn't tell you which game I quit, did I? No, mm. um, but. Um, the uh but that but that's not the one i quit um that's what i'm preparing to quit the um and i'm i'm running a, a dragon a khajiit dragon knight healer which is the furthest that you can get from the meta possible because <laughs> it's hilarious and fun for me and i like it so Good i have you. a i have a, a meta healer i have a templar argonian who is you know amazing but that's not what i wanted i wanted something different and amusing and that's that character and i'm we're running this dungeon and this this guy, like it starts off harmless enough where like the um the nightblade in the group is like, oh, there's a chest back there, you know. So, you know, let's go back and get the loot, the fat wonderful loot. And he's just like, Oh, thanks for noticing. I've been working on my packs. And I'm like, haha, buddy. Oh, whatever, high roll. God. And it gradually gets worse throughout the throughout the, <sighs> of the dungeon. And I'm just like, mm, you know. And then it's things like, oh well, here's a heavy sack, and he's like, I have a heavy sack. Oh um, like, no! Fuck no! Up. Shut up! I'm too old for this. Go away. And then, like, finally at the end, um, like he got the cool thing that he wanted, and I was like, oh, that's you know, lovely, great, you know. And he was like, you're lovely, and I'm like, ew, just, just, just. I can't. It's like, just totally unnecessary. It's just like absolutely appalling. I was like, how are people still like this? And it was the, I had like made it all the way through. And and it's one of those things where I don't want to like, I don't want to rock the boat. Everybody is there to do a certain thing and accomplish a certain task. And you just want it to be done and you want it to be over with. But like, I got done with that and I didn't like keep playing after that. I was just like, all right, I have to walk away. Yeah. And that like, how is that shit? still happening like this is very casual and i'm sure he just you know had a few too many or something like that but like yeah he's probably either drunk or high probably. right i'm gonna i'm gonna vote for the the former rather than the latter i'm in canada now and it's i'm getting a better idea of what high people are more like but <laughs> but it was just yeah the high people are the ones who are like 
<laughs> way far behind everybody else being like, have you guys seen how amazing this mushroom is? <laughs> and <laughs> you're like, yeah, that's, that's fine. We're in the black reach. The mushrooms are always like this. Can we move <laughs> on? Um, but yeah, gosh, um, sorry. I kind of went a little bit off. Uh, that's off fine. Life. That's fine. Anyway, asshole guy made you quit and that sucks. Yeah. This is like a form of rage quitting in some ways, but not the rage quitting that we traditionally know. Because, like, obviously, t- traditional rage quitting is when you get stuck or you like um, lose or you have some like negative thing mean like in 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 the game happen that you just don't have the often maturity to deal with. Right. <laughs> or you maybe like me uh, in Monster Hunter recently, um, where I. Um, I play a uh, hunting horn and I've just reinstalled monster hunter. And so I'm doing the iceborne uh, content, right. And there's some really hard monsters on there, particularly if you want to do it a solo and B with a hunting horn, uh, because hunting horns are really made as a buff tool for other people rather than a straight up damage dealing. Although you can, you know, deal some pretty good damage, but obviously I had all the kind of rubbish gear that you get at the beginning of the, um, expansion, not not the cool stuff that will make me do it in ten minutes. So you get fifty minutes to 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 fight these bloody monsters, and basically, I was this close to killing this goddamn dragon, and like like he, it, and I were on our last legs. And you can tell in Monster Hunter when when you know they're basically at death's door. It's clear, but, yeah. But I'd run out of traps, which is usually what you would do if you're in that situation. You trap it and then gas like yeah, tranquilize yeah. it. Um, I mean, I'd just I'd run out of those because I'd use them in other points too early and stuff like that, or some, some other stupid monster went and fell in one, which really annoyed me. <sighs> anyway, but, like, I knew that we were coming up to the end of the time, and then like I had no potions left. But if I'd gone back to get more potions, it would have taken up more time. So we were all just kind of circling each other basically, and we're just like, you know, occasionally I just whack it, you know. <laughs> And then yeah. run away again and so ah, a bit more. Yeah. And it would occasionally kind of try to get me in. Like, and then it just tied like the time it timed out and I failed. And I was like, oh, I, you know, I was so cro- like just really cranky because obviously like I hadn't it was the first time I fought this one, and it's usually like I usually consider that an investigative fight anyway, just to see yeah, what it's, it's like. Sort of see how it's gonna play out. Yeah. But I was so close. And so I had to get up and I had to put it all down and I had to walk away or I would have just been very, very upset. You know, yeah. Very upset. So it was kind of a, that was a rage quit. Um, and then there was a time where I almost raged. My, like I didn't rage quit. <laughs> I, I was very close with another stupid dragon. I think it was actually the same bloody dragon, the Barrieth. Um, mm. And my ba- we were at, I was at 46 minutes of 50 minutes and it was almost dead again. And then my baby woke up. And I was like, no, you know, I've spent 45 minutes killing this bloody thing. And then I said to my husband, who's in the middle of an endgame Destiny 2 raid with like 10 people or whatever it is. I don't know how many people. And I was like, I don't suppose you can get the baby, can you? And he's like, you're 46 minutes into a barrier fight. I'll get the baby. (laughs) Best husband ever. He quit his Destiny 2 raid for me. and And I got... And I got the barrier. So stupid barrier. I hate stupid barrier. So anyway, that was a good quit and a bad that's, quit. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a, yeah. And I mean, there's, so yeah, they, you're right that there are different sort of scales of quitting um, as well. Like you can quit for the moment or you can quit like forever. Um, mm. So what are also are you quitting? Uh, I quit Pokemon Go. 
Oh, um, and I just kind of been playing playing it on and off for forever, and I sort of imagined that I would eventually um, lose interest in it. But I actually became very upset oh. and deleted it off my phone. Wow, that is not my usual behavior. What happened? Um, and there wasn't like a you know a better game out there or something like that. But uh, bas- basically, what happened is that I um uh as as you know, my disability affects my minor motor skills. And mm-hmm. there was a task that I really wanted to achieve. And usually I can do these things either with a great deal of patience and I keep coming back to them and back to them and back to them and back to them. Like get five excellent nine. Or I had to get nine. And nine. Um, it was like nine great throws or something like that in a row. It was, n- and uh-huh. yeah, it wasn't excellent, but it was, and it's not hard for me to get a nice or a great throw, but to get a number of them in a row was... It's hard for me, and I've got good motor skills. Right, I don't, and it made me so upset. And I wanted that fucking Mega Gengar, and you know what? I didn't get it. So then I just didn't start the game up again the next day. And then, coincidentally, I didn't have very much space on my phone for something else I wanted to do. And I was like, "All right, fuck off, Pokemon Go, goodbye." Any game that's going to basically be so inaccessible that a disabled person can't actually do an event because you have to get nine throws in a row. Like, no. Um, Anyway. um, That sucks. I mean, I I quit Pokemon Go, but kind of in that trailing way where you just don't load it up for a while. And then you're like, well, now I'm so so behind that. Why would I even bother now? Why would I bother? So I can't. Yeah, I have some some final questions. I I didn't get to okay. pole factors, which which I think we've touched on vaguely, um, but uh, I I I realize we've been talking for a while. But um, what is the game that you most regret abandoning? Oh, I most regret, or I'm most sad about, like because there's two two okay. different things there, pick, right? Pick one that's. Pick whichever so one I'm, is more. I'm, bit, I'm bittersweet about abandoning Final Fantasy XI. Oh yeah, it's it's the it's the game that kind of was most of my life. But I quit that because I had to basically do my PhD, mm-hmm. and I'd been addicted to it um, for yeah. a year and a half, and basically mm-hmm. avoiding doing my PhD. I, I mean, I say I was addicted to it. What I was addicted to was avoiding my PhD, and that filled the yes. Right. <laughs> and um, uh, and then I started running big end game guilds, and that kind of is where you. Like it's, it's, it becomes, there's a, there's a a certain amount of, yeah, yeah, it becomes a job. Yeah. It basically becomes a job. So responsibility there is, is so then that fuels, it's a bit of a fueling cycle thing. Right. So I'm, I'm bittersweet about that because, um, but I mean, it's the sort of game though. I I won't go, I won't go back to it because it won't ever be the same as it was then. And it can't ever be the same as it was then. And because it's just, it's moved on as well. Right. So I think that's probably the one that fits that. I don't regret yeah. it because I'm very glad I got my PhD. <laughs> no, but it's but it is a you know there's a twin. It's a there, sad, right? sad one. I don't think there are any I regret exactly. Mm. Um, mostly just because I don't really feel that way about games. I think mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more like there are games that I feel like I ought to get I think back sad to. Like, is probably closer than my yeah. intended meaning when I. Like I'd really, li- I'd really like to get back to that game. Oh, is it called? I'm gonna find it. Uh, what's it called? Disco Elysium. I really want to do more mm. of because um, I've played a couple of hours of that, and I really liked the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have the mental space for it at the time, and so, it looked like a big game. This is a good lead-in, actually, to the another question I had. So, with archaeological sites, 
people might return to them to get something or maybe even to re-inhabit them when factors change or whatever. Um, but like with, you know, me leaving EverQuest, uh, there's not, I'm never going back to that place. And there are bad things that would have happened at sites and people are never going back to them. Do you, do you think you return to a game based in part on how you left it, the way in which you kind of... Yeah, that's a good question. I think I do in a certain way because it's usually because I feel like I have unfinished business. I'm, I'm haunting mm. it like a ghost. Yeah. I like, or it haunts me like the a afterlife ghost. afterlife. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like with Baldur's Gate 2, for example, I thought, you know, I really enjoyed playing that game. I just found it really hard and I got stuck. I remember specifically getting stuck. And I also remember it's a really big and long game. I think it's like 400 yeah. hours of game. It's a massive game. Ridiculous. So I thought, well, I mean, I'll do my best to – you know, I mean, I, I'm plodding on through it. Um, I kind of hoped I would get it played over summer <laughs> and uh, before Baldur's Gate 3 came out, but that's obviously not going to happen. Hope Springs Eternal. Uh, yes, no, it wait, really uh, does, yes. especially when you're mother of a toddler. But um, Indeed. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of mostly the reason I go back to games. It might be either nostalgia because, like, I want to relive some aspect of it um, or I feel like I have unfinished business. Mm. What about you? Um, I think it's very much the same. It's um, I tend to be more likely to return to things that I left, you know, for for kind of technical reasons or um, am involved in, you know, for another reason. But the um, I I think if it's possible to go back to games, I generally go back to ones that are, um, I guess, ones I don't have any bad associations with Mm. um so nostalgia would be one like ones that made you feel happy in some way perhaps yeah I think definitely those which are maybe things I associate with more pleasant times Mm. um perhaps for an escape for a break something new and different like I've actually thought about going back to um, Star Wars The Old Republic, for example. And, mm. you know, not because it was a brilliant game or anything, but just because it might be something different. And I didn't leave it on kind of bad terms. I just left it for something shinier at the time. So unfinished business, perhaps. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you very much That's for the conversation. A- that was a really nice trip through memory lane in some mm. ways. I think um, the idea of the you know, quitting and abandoning and, and whatever else is, is, I mean, something that we, we've all kind of done, but we you know, don't really often stop to think about why necessarily why we've done it or, um, yeah. Is it, are we going to get, be able to get some, I'll, I'll get some links to, um, to, to the archeological things that, that are accessible and, um, and we can also link through to, like th- those papers that you that you mentioned here is that is that good? Yeah, that that sounds good. Um, I the papers aren't accessible, <laughs> um, but well, uh, we could do a reference to it. Yeah, that sounds good. I think that'd be nice for people to at least follow up if they happen to go to those universities. Anyway, yes, yes indeed, indeed. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. been our uh, episode for this uh, month. Probably, um, we might see you again in the new year. Have a lovely holiday season and stay safe. Stay, stay COVID free. Maybe go check out one of your old unfinished business games uh, yeah. over the holidays. Have some holiday um, nostalgia. Excellent.